You're listening to episode 14 of the Study Hub. This evening, home economics. You're very welcome to the Study Hub here this evening. And on this evening's show, we'll be focusing on home economics and sleep, food and sleep, a perfect combination. First, we will be talking about home economics. And for many of us, of course, that means, amongst other things, the science, the joy of food. Regardless of what the future may hold in store for you, your home ec training will be of value to you. You'll always be faced with the problems of maintaining a home for yourself. And you will find that your home ec training has given you an understanding of how to be a better homemaker, both for yourself and for others who depend upon you. And that's something worth thinking about. The first good reason for cooking at home is because it's fun. In my view, cooking should be about nourishing and nurturing people, including yourself. It should be about giving people pleasure. It is cheaper. It depends on what you're cooking, and it depends on how much of it you're cooking, and it depends on whether or not you're minimizing waste. That's why good recipes don't just tell you what to do, they tell you why, thus empowering you to think for yourself. And you can be like, oh, I don't have that, but I've got this other thing that could potentially perform the same function. That's what's really going to help you to cook efficiently, and that's why I cook at home. End of home ec lecture. <laughs> Some great tips there and reminders of the relevance of this great subject. In a few short minutes, we will be talking to home economics teacher Laura Healy about the paper. So get your questions into us now at 51551. And then we will talk sleep with Professor Andrew Coogan from the Sleep Research Lab at Maynooth University. Another topic I'm very much looking forward to because I don't know about you, but since lockdown, my sleep patterns are all over the place. So I can only imagine that for many Leaving Cert students, possibly sleep has become more complex too. And you need your sleep to help with your memory if nothing else it's vitally important so get your questions in too on email at studyhub at rte.ie Much and all as I'd love to keep listening to that track and dancing around the studio. We have to get on with it. And we want to tell you about that in terms of updates about the Leaving Cert exams, because we're telling you here on the Study Hub, we will always keep an eye out on the key dates and the next bit of information for you. And we've been in touch with the Department of Education for that most accurate information. And they say that in the coming weeks, students will be required to register, confirm their subject and level entry details, opt for the examinations and are to receive SEC accredited grades. And the SEC's candidate portal is expected to open in the week of 8th March to allow students to make their choices. So that's the next date to be aware of in all this, the week of March the 8th when the portal is expected to be open. And then this next significant date is the closing date for the receipt of student work that can be taken into account for the purposes of that grade and that is the 14th of May. Now of course much speculation, many rumours about the Leaving Cert this year. We are keeping an eye out on it all. But next week we reckon we should have more solid information and we will go through those confirmed details thoroughly once we have them and share them with you. But for now we move on to our main subject this evening 
Delighted to say that we'll be joined on the line shortly by home economics teacher Laura Healy. And we're especially delighted to welcome Laura because she, along with her colleague Leanne Gillick, are the actual writers of the home economics book in school, Complete Home Economics from Educate.ie. And it's the book that 85% of schools in Ireland are using as their key textbook. Ooh, la, la. And Lara is a home economics teacher presentation at in Cork. She believes, of course, this is a great subject. It's got relevant set of topics, covers a wide range. But before we even speak to her, here's celebrity chef Heston Blumenthal eloquently also makes the case for home economics. The term molecular gastronomy, a boiled egg is molecular gastronomy. Roast chicken is molecular gastronomy. You could call chefs... Uh, practical physicists. Food or cooking and eating is the only subject that every other subject comes underneath. Big Bang physics. Atoms, molecules produced chemistry, some produced organisms, biology, and some produced cultures, history. Food, cooking and eating is the only thing you can do. The, the only subject that covers every single subject. You need maths, you need language, you need geography, uh, whether it's mineralogy, astrology, all of the sciences, all of the subjects come under that, but we take it for granted. And so say all of us, Heston, there. Laura, you're very welcome to the Study Hub this evening. And let's start by tackling that elephant in the room, because at the moment we think we know the shape that the paper will take for the Leaving Cert. We know there have been some modifications. But in this subject, before any student even walks into the exam hall, they've had the opportunity to submit a journal. So how does that journal bit fit in now with the modified exam structure? Does it still count? You've been finding out and talking more to the examiners. Hi, Evelyn. Uh, thanks for the lovely introduction as well. Um, so, yeah, just to confirm with the Food Studies Journal, I've been on to the SEC and they have said that the Food Studies Journal has been completely corrected, uh, which is fantastic. That accounts for 20% of the students' uh, final grade um, and that's been inputted into the system. Now, we've no clarification yet on if that's going to work in the same way as it did last year. Um, last year, the teachers... Uh, accredited grade um, or the estimated grade last year was worth 80% and then the 20% was added by the ACC after. We still don't have clarification on that yet, but uh, hopefully within the next week or two, uh, teachers and students should know that. Because that's a key part of the starter work really for the grade because it goes right back to mm -hmm. fifth year, doesn't it? They work on it through it fifth year and then submit it by November of sixth year. Yeah, and a huge amount of work goes into this journal, both the students themselves and the amazing home economics teachers all around the country guiding the students and uh, helping them achieve the maximum marks. Um, previously, they had to do four out of five assignments, uh, but because of lockdown last year, that was reduced to two. So even if students submit three, um, they're going to be marked on their best two uh, for their journal. So. I mean, this is a great thing to say that they've 20% done already. OK, so at this point, what we're saying is we know the journal's in there. It's been safely marked, safely received, as yeah. they say. So what you and I are yeah. going to talk about this evening is the kind of the paper that uh, students can anticipate uh, coming down the tracks at them in June. So yeah. at this stage, then, we know it's, you know, it's a such a broad, super subject, but broad and daunting mm. subject in some ways. The paper itself still stands at two and a half hours. Is that correct? You might talk us through the yeah. structure and the format that students can prepare for? Sure, yeah. So the home economics paper is on the very first day of the Leaving Cert. It's on Wednesday, the 9th of June. So they'll be doing the English paper one in the morning and then home economics is in the afternoon from two o'clock until 4.30. So it's a two and a half hour paper. That's a lot of writing for day one. They've got a lot of writing. <laughs> Their hands will be sore that first day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, but the only thing is that two and a half hours flies by. It really does, you know. So having good time management and understanding the paper is vital, really. 
Um, so I might just start into the actual structure of yeah, the paper. The, yeah, so they're going to start their very first section, section A, it's the short questions. Um, in the past, they would have had 12 short questions. This year now, because of 2021 and lockdown, they've adapted the paper. There's going to be 14 short questions and the examiners are going to pick the best 10. So my advice to students there would be to do a minimum of 12. Um, I wouldn't try and do all 14. You're only going to sacrifice t- time later on in the paper. Uh, but if you have time at the end, yes, go back and do an extra one or two if you want. But uh, they're only going to mark your best 10 short questions. Um, and the key part of that is that it's worth 60 marks, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge amount of marks. It's 15% of your overall grade. So it's vital that students spend time with their short questions and don't think that just because it's a short question, you write a short answer. You really don't. You have to put as much detail and effort into those short questions as you do for everything else. I mean, the journal is worth 20%. These are worth 15 They're really important. I was just thinking that. I mean, between those two elements, yeah. you're already climbing right up. You know, you're getting into your kind of getting useful kind of marks there. Then you move you on to Section B, uh, Laura. 180 yeah. marks here. Big section here. It is. And um, so students have to do question B1. It's the compulsory question. Um, and it's based from the food studies course, um, which is the majority of our course. It makes up 45 percent, as you can imagine, of the home economics course. Um, so B1 is a, a big question for students. Like I said, it's the one that kind of causes a lot of stress and anxiety. But with practice, it's something that they can get very good at. Um, it's the one you're going to spend 35 minutes on because it's worth 80 marks. So it's a a big, big question, that first B1 question. It is. Tell me then, you know, when students are approaching those questions, right? It's interesting for me because I talk to all the different teachers from all the different subjects and you all have different criteria and you're all looking for different things. Like, are they answering it like an English student? Are they answering it like a math student? Are they answering it like a, a geography student with graphs and bullet points? Like what skills are they bringing to bear to make sure they get yeah. kind of good use out of those answers and get their marks in? Well, definitely not to tackle it like an English student. Um, really, it's not a lovely really long essay question. No, it's not an not essay essays. Okay. Absolutely not. Um, when students write essays in these kind of answers, they end up just waffling and losing time and then losing marks. So my... The, the biggest bit of advice I could give tonight is to spend time working on the marking scheme. And from now until June, your teacher is going to be doing this with you anyway. But to really understand the breakdown of marks, that if you have a 20 mark question, you you should know at this stage that's five points at four marks each. And then you structure your answer around that. So you have to make sure that you're writing five points. And with those four marks, you should be writing four to five lines of a bullet point based on that fact. So... That's the most important thing is that you really spend time working on and you should have written all over your exam paper. You should have like wherever you see 20, you should see five multiplied by four. If you see 12 <laughs> marks, you write four multiplied by three. You know, that's the way you structure your answer. And in terms then of the way a student should approach the paper in the exam hall, again, generally the advice I'm getting from teachers is go for those shorter questions first as a kind of a steady the nerve type of exercise. Yeah. Do you agree with yeah. that here as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you spend five minutes at the start reading over the paper, the whole getting paper. a grasp of watching. The yeah, whole you paper. flip through okay. the whole lot. Like, you have to do the short questions. You have to do B1. But you have a choice then when it comes to the other B questions. So you have B2, B3, B4 and B5. And out of those four, you have to pick two. So again, it's vital that you pick the right two. So you make sure that you read part A, part B and part C of that question and make sure you can answer part A, B and C. There's nothing worse than starting a question and then realising when you get to part C, actually, I'm not sure on that part. So you've wasted time. So make sure that you spend time on those and pick your best two and then go to your elective section as well. That's part C and make sure that you know what your 
choosing in that section then as well. So that's what you spend your first five minutes doing, just giving a glance over the paper, picking the right questions and setting yourself up for success, really. Now, one of the things I found fascinating uh, was this idea of it being scanned or kind of an electronic element to this. And you might talk to us a little bit about that then. What should students be prepared for in terms of what happens next to their exam answer books? Yeah. So this year is the first year that home economics is going to be uh, marked online. So it's important that students are aware of the structure of it before they go in. So in the past, we would have done our short questions on a booklet and then they would have had a separate answer booklet to write the long questions. This year, what's different is they're going to get one booklet at the start of the exam, which contains all of the short questions plus paper that's already bound into the booklet for the long questions. So the so questions will be, script. they're physically typed out, printed there on the paper, itself, on the answer yeah. book itself, okay? They are, and then students will fill in their answers within that booklet. And once the whole lot is, and like if, that's one other thing as well, if they do run out of paper, now they say on the ACC that they shouldn't, that the booklets are going to be really big, <laughs> but they can ask for extra paper if they need it. So not to worry and not to be trying to jam things in either if they've, you know, students with large writing. <laughs> and um, with that booklet, then that will be taken and that will be scanned to create an electronic script. And then that will be sent to the examiners and the examiners are going to mark that online using special software. So that is very new for the students this year. And your advice then, obviously, look, try and get that good, clear handwriting using a pen. But what happens then in terms of the little illustrations that a student might use along the way? Um, they need to yeah. be crystal clear, don't they? They would. And like, so I suppose it, it says on the, now these students are actually probably a bit more used to it than others because they had to fill in their food studies journal on a scanned booklet just like this. So hopefully they're familiar with the process of keeping within the margin. Don't write outside the margins because you're going to lose that information. It's going to get lost in the scanning process. To write in a blue or black ballpoint pen where possible. Now, if they have to draw diagrams, you can draw those in pencil, but just make sure you're using a dark pencil. And then to avoid using Tipex because that just won't show up in the scanning. So they say just to cross out what you've written. Sometimes what you've written may actually be correct and the examiners can accept that answer. So not not use Tipex is vital as well. OK, so what I'm getting from you is learn off those timings, learn those, yeah. the, the marking system. And I know you're going to say to me, highlight key terms, because that's a constant thing yeah. that students, that teachers worry about for students is they see one term they love. Oh, I love that. And they yeah. go bald headed at it. And it turns out that actually they were looking for a description as opposed to an illustration or whatever. Exactly. And like by reading the exam question and highlighting the key word, it's focusing on your mind on what they want. And if you keep referring back that to that question throughout your answer and keep referring and using the phrases in the question, that's going to really help you hit all those points and get maximum marks as well. Now, you have very kindly offered to share. I mean, you've obviously written the main textbook with Leanne, but you've also got your own yeah. bespoke is how I'm describing it, which sounds very posh altogether. Your own bespoke <laughs> uh, answer book or help pack for your own classroom. And you very generously uh, offered that to our students. Tell us a little bit about yeah. what they might find there, because I think we're going to share it on RT Learn after the programme so that everybody can access it. Yeah, so like, I mean... First of all, I just want to say a huge thank you to those 85% of schools around the country that are using our book. I mean, we were genuinely blown away, Leanne and myself, that it's been so successful. And our whole point of writing the book and providing these booklets is really just because we want the students around the country to do the very best they can in the exam. And we love our subject, so we want to help our students <laughs> as much as we can. So, yeah, the booklets I've... There's a, a higher level and order level one, and they're based on the B1 section, the one that students really find difficult. The and biggie, yeah. 
It is. It is. And like the only way of getting really good at that B1 question is to practice and to go back over them. So the little booklet I've designed just has every single one of those charts that come up in that B1 question all in one booklet. And it can be printed numerous times and students can keep practicing. And that's the key is the more you're familiar with them, the easier and less intimidating they are on the day. Well, listen, thank you, Laura Healy from Presentation Mitchellstown. You're not going to go very far. You will come back to us shortly. And you yeah. can check out those notes. They will be live on RTE Learn Senior Cycle at the end of this evening's show. So may we fly your troubles to the sea. So close your eyes on as you I love there's a topic that can be illustrated both by insomnia and then hushabye as well. We've got the full range here tonight and this is really one of my favourite topics, sleep. And we were saying that people have been really struggling maybe with sleep at the moment in lockdown. But for Leaving Cert students, I imagine it's even more difficult at times. Um, so we are delighted that Professor Andrew Coogan from the Department of Psychology at Maynooth University, who specialises in sleep amongst many other things, joins us now. Andrew, good evening to you. Hi, Evelyn. How are you? Listen, you have a very, very long list of extremely impressive titles. Um, I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, Director of the Sleep Research Laboratory at uh, Laboratory at Maynooth hit out at me for this evening's chat. So I'm going to start with an easy question for you, Andrew. Like, what is sleep? <laughs> That's not such an easy question. Uh-huh. Uh, so maybe we can think about sleep as what it's not. It's definitely not not being awake. So actually, there's a lot going on during sleep. There's a whole lot that goes on in our brain, a whole lot that goes on in our body during sleep. And we know sleep's really important because we spend about a third of our lives doing it. So it clearly is fulfilling a range of absolutely vital functions that keeps our brain healthy and keeps our body healthy. Now, we've an inbuilt 24-hour body clock, of course, right? And this is to help us synchronise with the world we live in. But if it's so inbuilt, why do so many of us struggle with sleep at night when we should be going to sleep, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's a phenomenon, something called social jet lag, that actually my group studies quite a bit. And really, the fault isn't ourselves. The fault is the way we have constructed society. Um, So lots of uh, school-age Uh, people, especially later school-age people, their natural body clock is telling them probably to get up quite late in the morning and go to bed quite late in the evening. That's their natural rhythm. So they're not just being slight chancers. They are physiologically getting the signal that they should be still in bed at whatever hour and mammy's banging at the door to get them out. Exactly. So so they they have a naturally late biological rhythm and they also have um, a long sleep demand so they actually need to get maybe nine hours sleep uh, a night also just to fulfill that physiological need that they have for sleep. My new favourite phrase I have a long sleep demand that sounds nearly (laughs) scientific. Do you know what's interesting though Andrew you talked earlier about the fact that we've we've constructed society etc etc we have constructed a society in that we are now all obsessed with our phones and teenagers and students in particular will recognise this 
what is the effect, the impact of the, having the phone beside you as you're in bed trying to go to sleep sleeping? What is your advice? What's your steer around all that? Yeah, so so often asked, you know, what are, what are our hints for getting our sleep better? And obviously during lockdown, things have got more difficult. So a couple of simple things we can do, and one of which is to get the phone out of the bedroom. Ah, Andrew, so maybe... I like having it there though, no? <laughs> I, well, we all do, and we're all guilty of it, but there's, there's a couple of direct impacts of it. First of all, is just the light that comes off your phone or comes off your tablet mm-hmm. or the device that actually uh, signals to the brain that it should still be awake. So, so we, we don't want that. Okay. The other thing is, if we're chatting with our friends or texting, or that is all sort of keeping our brain alert. And what we really want to do is, in the run-up to sleep, maybe have half an hour or an hour of sort of quiet time. So put the phone outside the bedroom, read a book, listen to music, do, do, do something else, and sort of help ramp yourself down from all the excitement of the day into hopefully a restful night's sleep. Well, it's funny because it is naturally what you do with small children. Like, you know, you try and calm them down and soothe them. But we kind of lose those habits as we grow up a little bit, don't we? The other bit that I was interested in talking to you about, because we're so interested in the Leaving Cert students in particular mm-hmm. on this show, the importance of sleep in terms of memory. It plays yeah. a key role here, you say. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is something we've really come to appreciate over the last 10 or 15 years. We think what the brain is doing during sleep is it's sorting out through all that information we've taken in during the day. Um, so all that learning, if you spent a day studying, your brain has accumulated a huge amount of information. Mm-hmm. And it needs time for, to process that. And we think that's one of the key things that sleep allows us to do. It allows our brain to figure out what's the important information that we want to memorize, what's the unimportant information that we can forget, the other thing it really helps us do is it helps us problem solve. So we all know the phrase, you know, to sleep on a problem. Sure. But that's actually true. That's got scientific basis. That we can go to sleep with a problem, an unresolved problem, and we can wake up and go, ah, I know, I know the solution to that. So if we're studying and we're studying a subject, then, you know, we're just not getting it. Just going to sleep allows us to brain maybe to sort of slot the pieces into into place and we wake up and we've, we've, we've got it, we've understood the problem. Well, let's talk exam time then. Say, for example, yeah. I have an exam next Tuesday. My plan is to be well rested over the weekend, but then I'm going to study as late as I can on Monday night. I'm going to cram in as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I can guess what your approach is going to be to this. And yeah. to be honest, you know, we all recognise that kind of st- marvellous study plan. But in your view, what is your advice around that strategy? Yeah, we shouldn't do that. So we should try to keep to our schedule around the exam time. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. If we stay up all night studying, trying to cram, we're going to be sleep deprived the next day. And we know that that impacts on our performance. So our attention isn't going to be as good, our concentration. And we're not going to do as well as we're going to. So what, what, why we think we're being clever in cramming and trying to get it all in, actually <laughs> we're at, worse, at risk of doing worse because of that. So, so the advice is to try to keep a steady schedule and keep that schedule right up to the exams. And especially, um, you know, if we think of something like Leaving Cert, which sure. goes on for two weeks yeah. or so, you know, it's a marathon. You know, you're going to True. be exhausted doing that for 
eight, nine exams. Um, so, so really try to keep, you know, have a study schedule, have a sleep schedule and try to keep to it during that sort of intense period of doing the exams. Listen, you gave us wonderful advice there, <laughs> Professor Andrew Cogan. In particular, my long sleep demand. That's my takeaway from this evening's conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Cogan, for joining us this Friday. And already I feel calmer having spoken to you. And we hope that this helps everybody at home. Beautiful hushabye music there. But now we're going to give even more excuses to crash out in front of the TV this weekend and time for a glimpse ahead for this week's Shakespeare and Sunday on RT2 television. And at five past two this Sunday, it's The Tempest with the 1980 production starring Michael Horden as Prospero, Nigel Hawthorne as Stefano. And here we have a little clip. Our revels now are ended. These, our actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherit, shall dissolve, and like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Nigel Hawthorne there uttering the immortal lines from The Tempest. It'll be on RT2 television at five past two this Sunday. And we just have a quick minute to go back to our home economics teacher, Laura Healy, for some uh, final questions coming in. Laura, you're there with us. I am. Now, uh, Laura, a few quick questions I want to throw at you before we let you go. Uh, I struggled to answer the B1 question. You and I discussed how tough this question is. Uh, I struggled to answer it. I spend too long answering it and run out of time at the end. I imagine that's very common. It is. And like what students need to remember is that this is worth 20 to 24 marks maximum. You still have another 300 marks left in the paper. So try not to let it bog you down. If it doesn't go well, if you're getting a bit lost in it, don't spend too long on it, really, because you only have 35 minutes for that whole B1 question in total anyway. And again, when you are answering that, just structure your answer. The question will always use two phrases. Um in the majority of cases, comment and elaborate. The word comment means that they want you to refer to the chart or the graph and use percentages and facts and figures. And the elaborate is where you give your reasons why that point is in where it is in the chart. So you use your own student voice and your own language and say, I believe this is because or in my opinion or things yeah. like that. So using those phrases and structuring your answer and and practicing it, they're the kind of key things. And like all my students will kind of say the same thing. This is the one that they get bogged down in. But with practice and using the booklet and following those phrases, they should be fine. Is that the booklet that's available on or to yeah. learn by any chance? Excellent. Good it plug. Is. I like it. <laughs> very, very quickly, Laura, can I leave out yeah. the electives this year and just focus on the core course? So, again, that's not something I would say definitely do or definitely don't. I'm going to say that that's really up to each student to discuss with their own teacher. I, I'd say at this stage, most teachers have decided themselves. The reason why that is coming up is because this year, uh, another change for 2021 is the fact that you have a question C4, an additional elective question, which is actually based on the core syllabus. So it can be asked on three areas. Sure. It could be asked on um, the food studies, the resource management, consumer studies or social. So students have the option of doing that C4 question as well. So like 
again, that is really up to the teacher and what they have achieved. And like I would say as well that students overall, we've seen this with our six years in Presentation Secondary School in Mitchestown. They yep. have just been amazing. They have been online every day. They have the cameras on. They're working hard. They're submitting work. They have put in huge work, as have all the teachers. So, I mean, students should put their mind at rest. They're going to be fine. They're going to be able to do really well. And this is again, great because like, we had great encouragement yeah. words from Nick last night. We're going to have to let you go because we're fighting the clock yeah. here. But I want to thank you so much, Laura sure. Healy from Presentation, Mitchestown and Cork and her book, Complete Home Economics, is available from educate.ie. Also, our thanks to Professor Coogan. And we are back on Drive Time on Tuesday at 6.30pm where we'll be, we'll be discussing art and accounting. So there's a combination. Get your questions in now. Download our podcast from the RT Radio 1 page. And the email always is studyhub at rt.ie. You were listening to The Study Hub on Drive Time at RT Radio 1. Tune in to us live Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30pm.